Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. I was saying this morning, one of the things that uh, I really, really love and miss about being in Zimbabwe is there's a special area of the country in the Eastern Highlands called the Chimani Manis. And it's a range of mountains, which is just like, if you're a hiker or an outdoorsy kind of a person, it's like God's playground. You know, you go up there and we loved it. We, I would go with my brother once a year. We would take like a four or five day trip and we'd pack up our backpacks with everything that we needed. I mean, they were heavy and big, but it was just so that we could go up there and just hang out. We would never necessarily have a plan of where we would go. We would just kind of make it up as we go along. And you're probably seeing some photos as I'm speaking about there. There were amazing views when you got to the top and you looked over like the valley plateau kind of area. There were cool rivers that you could swim in and there were waterfalls that you could jump into pools off of. It was fantastic. Now, my brother and I would take a two-man tent and we'd kind of divide the weight of it up between ourselves, but sometimes we wouldn't even use the tent. There'd be caves up there or big overhangs that we would just sleep under. It was awesome. I miss it a lot. One of the things that was significant when you're up there is that you would hardly see anybody. Occasionally, you would see other hikers up there. And I think there's a reason for that. Because what would happen is when you came to, into the National Park, there would be the little registration office at the bottom where you would kind of sign in and tell them how long you're going to be there with your vehicle's registration. And then, as you came out and you mounted all of your gear up, you were faced with, like, I call it a mix between climbing and hiking. Because it's like walking upstairs for about three hours, you know? And uh, you would just have to get on with it, right? And so if you ever have done anything like that, you would look up when you're huffing and you're puffing and, and the bags rubbing on your shoulders and you're feeling all sweaty and hot and your backs are starting to ache, you'd look up and say, how far have I got to go? And you'd see the silhouetted ridge line and you'd be like, right, there it is. And then you'd get there and then what would happen as you came over that ridge line? There would be a, a whole nother one. And this would go on for like three hours and it was intense. But when you got to the top, it was so worth it. You forget all about the last three hours. You take a minute at the hut to have a drink and refresh. And then the whole place is yours. Where do you want to go? You could walk off in that direction to another ridge and look into Mozambique, or you could walk down to the right, follow the river and swim and go around the whole range. It was amazing. Once you were there, it was awesome. You just forget about that hike up. Well, uh, today I'm talking about how we can take the trials in our lives, how we can move from our trials into triumph. Amen? How many of you face trials in your life? How many of you are going through some, or you've just been through some, or you feel like there's some waiting for you? They're a reality of life. You know, uh, this week, if we want to go back and we want to think about what Jesus was looking forward to, these were undoubtedly the worst days of his life. You know the end of the story. You know what happens on Good Friday. If you have been in the church for a while, he's looking forward, not cheerfully, but he can see to the future. 
and he can see the pain and the suffering and the ridicule and the shame that was about to come upon him as he went through what he was going to go through. It was not a great time for Jesus. I'm just saying that so you know, even Jesus went through the worst of times. But what I want us to do today is to have a look at his life and I want us to learn some lessons from his worst days so that we can overcome like he overcame. Amen. You know, someone once said that life is 10% of what you make it and 90% how you take it. Do you get it? How do you take life when it comes at you? How do you deal with life when the trials come? Yes, we can choose how the story ends. And I want us to look at how we can be triumphant when we have trials. How we can rise above them and not be crushed by them. So that's what I'd like to do today. So let's just paint the picture before I read the first verse that we're going to look, verses we're going to look at today. Jesus is he's apprehensive. He's very aware of what's about to happen. The beatings, the crown of thorns, the pulling out of the, the, the hair on his face, the insults, the, the, the spitting, the, the carrying the cross on his broken back, the being nailed to the cross. Uh, it's all very forefront in his mind. And we're just gonna pick up in Luke chapter 22 a few verses he is trying to prepare himself for what he's about to face and he's gone with the disciples to a secluded place because he, he just wants to pray and on reaching the place he said to them to the disciples pray that you will not fall into temptation he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them he knelt down on the floor and he prayed father listen now to his prayer father if you are willing, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And the Bible says in verse 43, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And 44 says, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly Imagine now, and the sweat was like drops of blood falling from his brow to the ground. It's intense. Life is getting real for Jesus, right? And he, he, he goes away to pray. And the first lesson that I want us to really get from Jesus is this. It's okay to acknowledge your apprehension or your fear. Jesus was real about how he was feeling. Things happen in life that cause us to feel certain things. Amen? We can't avoid how we feel, but our first lesson today is how do we choose to deal with the way that we feel? There's this thing called fight or flight. When we are feeling endangered, there are naturally two responses that take place. Number one, we stand our ground and we fight. 
we're ready to fight, the adrenaline starts pumping, or we turn and run for self-preservation. Jesus chose in his moment of anguish to stand and fight, but he was real about how he was feeling, right? Sometimes we might be tempted to pretend that we're not distressed, you know, like I might look like I'm weak or something. There's nothing wrong with feeling those things, but we must choose now. You know, when we think about Jesus, if you talk about the theology of Jesus, the Bible clearly says that he was completely God, but at the same time, he was completely human. And in these moments, we are seeing the humanity of Jesus. The real humanity, the, uh, the anguish, the looking forward, the apprehension, whatever you want to call it, of his circumstances. So our first lesson today is don't pretend that you're not feeling the way that you're feeling, but choose how you will respond with those feelings. Amen. Life is 10% what we make of it and 90% how we take it and what we do with what happens. Amen. The second thing that we learn from Jesus that we need to learn is that we need to learn to pray, but really pray. Amen? Sometimes we are guilty, if you're like me, we pray a few like, okay Lord, if you're there, help me kind of a prayers maybe. And then we're like, oh, but it didn't work. If we look at Jesus' example, he's honest with his father, yes? He said, Father, I don't want to do this, basically is what he's saying. If you can take this from me, I'd be grateful about it. But then he shows his determination with the word, yet right yet not my will but yours be done there's this determination that comes over him the bible as we read those verses talks about how an angel comes from heaven and strengthens jesus and he goes back to praying again with this renewed determination inside now in your bible the word written probably if you've got an niv is the word anguish some of us see that in a negative connotation, like um, a prayer, like a fearful paralysis of, well, I don't know what to do anymore. But that's not what it means. That word anguish in the Greek talks about, let me try and get this right for you, a struggle for victory. And when I read that, I see in Jesus a determination I will not stop struggling until I'm victorious. Amen. He knows victory is his purpose and his promise. And he determines that he will pray with greater determination until he sees his triumph. Until he receives the courage that he needs to go on and face what he's going to face. So we need to learn to pray. Powerful prayers. In my mind, I think sometimes our prayers are like little snowflakes that just drift, you know, oh, down to the earth. When actually I think our prayers ought to be like a bolt of lightning that strike with power into the situations that we face. So, acknowledge your fears. Number two, learn to really pray to press through to the other side. My, thirst, my third lesson sorry, today is 
you've probably heard it before, but I'm going to say it again. You have purpose. Your life counts. Your life is part of the big picture. Your life is not the best of a bunch of rubbish. There's a plan, the Bible says, that contains your life and your gifts and all that you have to offer. It's important that you know that today. Because otherwise, if you think that your life is make the best of a load of rubbish, your trials and difficulties will have no meaning. And you'll want to give up. But if you know that your life counts for something, that there's a purpose that God has destined for you, you will fight through your trials till you come to triumph in Jesus. Amen. So the first question that I want to ask you for, in the light of this idea that you have purpose, who are you living for? Who are you living for? Because the danger is, if you're living for the opinions of the people around you, you will end up short-circuiting the purposes that God has for you. If you worry about what people say and think, you might be afraid to do the thing that God is calling you to do, or to press through into something that God has for you. I want to say today that you have one audience, and that's Jesus. What other people think about you is none of your business. What matters is what Jesus thinks about you and what he has for you. Let people speak. Let people say. Let them think what they want. What matters is who you are and what God has for you. Please do not let fear of man be the thing that leads you away from God's best for you. Focus in on Jesus. Who are you living for? Look at Jesus when he's on the cross. He says, Father, if you can take this, this cup away from me, please do it. If there's any other way, Father, let's do that. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Can you see that abandonment of what other people think, of what I think, and my focus is on Jesus only and what he has for my life. Hebrews, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at a few more verses. Hebrews chapter 12, reading from verse 1, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all of heaven looks down on the stadium of your life, and you're on the pitch. Every Christian that has gone before, and the person who has died in Jesus is there. They are witnessing. They are cheering for you. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you and you and you and you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
Jesus is a great example. You know when it says there, scorning its shame, what that means is that Jesus thought very little about the shame of being on the cross. It was inconsequential, inconsequential to him, the, the pride. I want you to think about it now. The King of Heaven, no higher name than the name of Jesus, worshipped and adored God, stepped out of that, took on a human form from a broken world, walked amongst us, amongst the sin and the destruction and the despair and the hopelessness, not only did he walk amongst us, but he allowed himself to be nailed to a wooden cross and he gave his life away for you. No one took it from him. He gave it away for you. I want you to imagine how far he has come from, from the glory of heaven to the debauchery of earth in a frail human body dying on a cross for your sin and my sin. If, if anyone was to feel shameful, it would be the glorious King of Heaven. But he didn't count it as anything but to come and achieve what he came to achieve. The point that I want to make today is don't worry about what people think about you. Don't worry what they think about your life and the decisions that you make in Jesus. Focus on what he's calling you to be and what he's calling you to do. Man, that is what counts. What counts. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, All the days ordained for you were written in God's book before one of them came to be. Your life was like an open book before the Lord where he could read every page at the same time. Before you were even a twinkle in your parents' eyes, God knew you. He had your life planned out. He had a lane marked out for you to run. And he chose for you to be who you're supposed to be and, and what you're supposed to do. That was what he allotted to your life. Run the race marked out for you. The purpose of God for your life gives meaning to your struggle. Amen. You're going to face them, but there's purpose if you focus in on Jesus. My fourth point, don't give up. You know, sometimes life can be so hard that you just want to put your hand up and say, I'm out. I'm not fighting anymore. I'm too tired. I can't do this. That's our temptation sometimes. But I want to encourage you. Don't give up. So the question you're saying is, how can I keep going? It's so hard. The Bible says that we should fix our eyes on Jesus. You know what that word fix means? It means stop looking at the thing that you were looking at. Turn away from something and turn towards something. Stop looking where you were looking for your hope and start looking at Jesus and lock your gaze on him and nothing else. Let his voice be the loudest voice in your life. Run to him. Consider what he went through 
He went through it so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. You know, there's nothing wrong with growing weary in life. It happens, but don't lose heart and give up. Amen. Don't grow weary to the point of giving up. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, when we were climbing in the Chimani Manis, we took a group of young people the one time from our youth group who had never been there before. And that first three hours was brutal for some people. There were girls in our group who were crying. And I was able to say, just keep going. Come on, let's go to the next ridge line. We'll have a rest there. The top is coming. You're going to get there. You'll be fine. Let's keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up. Wait, wait until you see what lies ahead. And I was able to encourage them till they got to the top, had a rest, and then beheld all that lay before them. You know what the Bible talks about Jesus as the pioneer. And it talks about him as the perfecter. You know, when it talks about him as the pioneer, it means that he went before you and experienced the worst that life had to offer and conquered it. And right now he says to you, don't give up. Come on, just keep going. You know, if you've ever watched Finding Nemo, there's that phrase or the song, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, don't stop. Jesus has been there. He knows what's coming. Just like I knew what lay ahead when we were climbing the Chimani Manis, and I could say there is an end. Every trial will pass. I'm going to say that again to you. One thing for sure, every trial in your life will pass. Don't give up. Amen. Let Jesus encourage you. Let him strengthen you. Receive the power of heaven. It's waiting for you. You're the only obstacle to completing and coming through to your triumph. Just keep swimming. My fifth point today is stay focused on the big picture. Sometimes our trials can loom so big that we can't see anything else. And we lose complete perspective in our emotional, tired, potentially hopeless feeling state. But we can learn something from Jesus. And it says um, in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What does that mean? Jesus was able to look past the cross to what it was going to achieve. And what's awesome is Greg is going to talk about that joy next week. But I want you to remember this phrase if you remember nothing else today. Look past your trial. Look past your trial at the fruit of what you're going through. Look past your trial to what God will have done in your character. That's never fun really. But you are going to be someone else tomorrow that you weren't today if you endure and continue. Look past your trial to the fruit of what God will do through your life in the people around you. Look past all of your trial to what God wants to achieve. Don't let your trial be the thing that you see. Learn to look past it. You have a choice. 
You have a choice to become bitter in your trial or to become better. Right? A choice to become bitter or a choice to become better. God wants to take you from glory to glory. His plan is being outworked in your life today. You know, uh, we've got a lady in our church who uh, had to leave Zimbabwe um, and spent a year in Jersey before her daughter could come and be with her. And it's a wonderful thing that today her daughter is with her. But this lady was looking to the future and was making a sacrifice today that was going to benefit her daughter for the future. And I can't imagine being out with my, without my child for a whole year. I've never had to go through that. But she was focusing and looking past her trial to what it was going to achieve. You know, and there are things in life that are bigger than us. Amen. And when we can look past our own selfishness or our own difficulties and see what will come of those difficulties, then maybe that might encourage us to keep going. My sixth point today, I'd like to look at John chapter 16 and verse 33. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Do you know it is possible to be in peace even though the world is raging around you? It is possible to carry peace in your heart and mind even when things are difficult and challenging, knowing that you are in the palm of the God of heaven, that he is for you, that his love and favor is on your life, that you cannot fail when you're in him. You can carry that peace in the midst of trouble. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that you can have peace. I love it. He goes straight from that promise to saying, in this world, you will have trouble. Some of you are surprised at what you're facing in this life. Can I tell you today? Don't be. Troubles are coming. They're a part of living this life on this broken earth. Being a Christian doesn't absolve us from all of that stuff. Amen. But take heart, Jesus said, this is what counts. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the worst that life has to throw at you. I conquered death itself. I took its shame. I took its sting. I have overcome the world, Jesus said. You can have peace. So the first thing I want to say on this point is, how do you find peace in your trials? Make peace with God. Some of us in the midst of our trials start wagging our finger at heaven as if to say, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? Why do you hate me so much? If you're a loving God, why is this happening? We hear that all the time. Why is this happening? Why is that happening? And God says, it's not my plan. I didn't do it. Amen? God is good. The Bible says he's good and he's only good. He can't be anything else because goodness is who he is. He's loving and kind and gracious and compassionate. He's not a heavenly policeman waiting for you to make a mistake. 
so he can hammer you and lock you up. God is good. Life happens. This world is broken. Stop wagging your finger at God and realize actually he's for you and he's with you and he's in you actually. He lives in you. So make peace with God. And the second thing I think is important is learn to make peace with your past. Some of you might be here today and you've had a rubbish past and you keep hauling it into your present and your future. Draw a line in the sand today. The Bible says that God has got a great forgetter. When you repent of your sin, he chooses to forget. Because if he remembered, watch out. He forgets. Why are you remembering? Why are you, who are you to drag your past into the present? That's not your job. Your job is to look forward to what God has for you. And to know that he loves you. That he's fighting for you and working for you every second of the journey. Let go of the past and start focusing on where God is taking you. My last point today. Remember who's on your side. Remember who's on your side. When the world seems like it's forsaken you, God can never forsake you. The conqueror of death itself, the risen Savior Jesus, is on your side. And you are a conqueror. You are triumphant. If you will keep going, your trial will become a great testimony. You'll be able to look back and reflect on the goodness of God. But the truest test of God's goodness is time. And if you will keep fighting and you'll keep swimming, you will see the faithfulness of God come to pass in your life. Without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, God is for you, fighting for you. And so I want to end today on this thought. If your life was a book, many chapters of your life have been written already. But the pages that lie ahead are blank pages. What are you going to choose to do with the rest of your story? Are you going to live in the past? Are you going to cave in under the pressure? Or are you going to fight and see a testimony written onto the pages of your life that people will remember? People don't remember how your story started. They remember how your story ended. How your story ends is up to you and up to me. And I want my life to be a testimony to the faithfulness and the goodness and the glory of God. I want to live in the center of his purpose for me. I want every day to count. I want fruit to be hanging on the lives, on the branches of my life. I want the people around me to be better because of God working in and through me. I want to be proof of his truth that triumph always conquers our trials if we keep fighting. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page 
of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.